When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Shay Dixon. Shay, um, it is Tuesday, August 8th, about 2 p.m., and we are on day five of fall camp at LSU. It feels like we've learned so much, but at the same time, there's still so many question marks with this team. Uh, we had a, a fight, a scrum, whatever you want to call it, uh, on Monday that we'll talk about a little bit here, but... A lot of takeaways, a lot of different things we can get into. Um, but how, how are you doing today? Yeah, I mean, the scrum fight was the most entertaining part of camp, I guess, so yeah, far. Of, uh, you know, when most of the time it's just individual drills and all that. But, hey, shout out Brian Kelly. <clears throat> he did not shut the media out of camp. Uh, and he's also given us more access than we've ever had. We've watched a lot of full practices uh, across the first week, really, uh, of fall camp. So, I don't know where you want to start. I will say in terms of the fight, I'm sure that people have read about it. Kelly's already commented on it and said it's simply a teaching moment. I actually thought it was good that we were there. Like people were like, oh, well, he's going to kick the media out now that they saw that. I actually thought it was important that fights happen all the time. You know, they happen everywhere at every school. How you handle it, what your message is and where you know, teammates going at each other fits into what you want and what you're building is an important message for a coach to deliver. And we got to watch on the field, Kelly lighting into the team about if this is how you are going to be. And Mason Taylor later came out and kind of confirmed what we suspected from Kelly talking that it had only been three or four practices and they had already had a few different skirmishes, this one being the biggest. But Brian Kelly said, look, this is about player-led leadership and it comes down to discipline and he said if y'all want to fight every other day you're going to be a 500 team because if you don't have the discipline now you're not going to have it in the season and that discipline is what does happen uh in the fourth quarter of a game Matthew and it's late and you push a guy after the whistle or a guy's jawing yeah. with you and you you know take a swing at him or do whatever it might be to draw a flag. And that team then gets an extended set of downs and drains some more clock off. And all of a sudden you lose and you point back and say, man, had that not happened, LSU could have won that ball game. And I think that's what one big thing Brian Kelly's trying to avoid. The other being, yes, fights happen all the time. This wasn't like a Tim Anderson squaring up fight and then it gets broken up. Yeah, This was like, uh, I would describe it as kids at a soccer game when you're real young and you don't know what position, like you don't know anything about position. So everyone's just chasing the ball Yeah, and they're just kind of in that big pack and they're just moving around the field. That's kind of how it was. And everyone was sort of locked up with somebody else and everyone was falling on each other and all that. Well, what happens if Harold Perkins breaks his leg or someone falls on Mason Smith and he re-injures his knee? Like that's the kind of stuff you just cannot afford to have happen and can be easily avoidable by the entire team not getting into some sort of scrum over whatever it might be. So Brian Kelly said it's teaching moments and we talked to him, Maddie B talked to him on Tuesday. We're recording this on Tuesday. He talked to him Tuesday around lunch. That's 24 hours out from the scrum. And he said, I've already had so many teaching moments since then that I forgot about that. Like 
and I'll have so many the rest of the day that that fight will be a distant memory to me by tomorrow. And I think that's what it basically boils down to is, as he said, every day, whether it's a fight or something else is a culmination of teaching moments leading up to your team being ready for the stretch run of the SEC. Yeah, it's pretty clear Brian Kelly does not get surprised by anything at this point in his career. Uh, this a fight, uh, a scrum, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, is nothing that he hasn't seen before. Um, I don't think it was a big deal at all. I didn't even really flinch or react whenever it happened um, initially. But then I, the you know, the kind of the journalist side of me kind of kicked in. I was like, oh yeah, that's that's kind of a big deal, I guess. But you know, the just I, I don't say athlete, but just the person who watches sports watching a scrum it's like all right this is what happens in practice i remember uh what was it last week when they the Tri- trevon diggs and dak prescott thing got blown up where it was like you know trevon diggs went and talked at him i didn't think anything of it but everyone's like oh you know he doesn't respect him it's just it feels like some fans will you know make it a big deal if they lose games and if they win games, then it will be looked back on as the Joe Burrow and Patrick Queen story. Like it's that's all it's going to be. Is if they are eleven and one, that's how we're going to look back on it. If they're seven and five, we're going to be like, see, we should have seen this. Should have seen this coming on third practice. Yeah, and I wonder. I just don't think it's going to have any bearing on what happens this season beyond because discipline will be instilled well beyond that day, and you continue to drill that into the guys. So I'm good with it. Brian Kelly clearly was not happy in the moment and he's moved on from it. So I, like I told everyone, they asked on the board, they're like, well, this isn't a good look for LSU. Does this hurt recruiting? You know, it's all over the news. And by today, which I said tomorrow, it's no longer in the news because the news cycles you right out and nobody cares anymore that they got into a scrum at practice. It's ultimately not that big of a deal when you know, you've got a head coach who, has been in coaching for 40 years and the head coach for more than 30, as you noted, he's seen it all. He knows how to handle everything happening internally. And uh, as an LSU fan, you just put your faith and trust in Brian Kelly to do the job he was hired to do. And while talking about Harold Perkins, I think we can kind of branch out a bit now. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about what I saw from Harold Perkins today, uh, because yesterday, the fight, you know, mostly is what people will talk about from Harold Perkins. But even the first three or four practices, a lot of what Harold Perkins has done has been working with Madhouse inside linebackers, strictly working with Madhouse at that spot. And we hadn't seen him kind of move to that jack spot, move to a pass rushing position, even as like walkthroughs or anything like that. Today was the first day I really got to see him drop down play and. Uh, participate in drills with John Jancic, and then they had an alignment of Braden Swinson, Mikhail Wingo, Mason Smith, and Harold Perkins that they were doing some, you know, walkthroughs type stuff with with John Jansen with John Jancic, and I was like, okay, that's the first sign that I needed to see because we always knew it was going to happen. I didn't know if it was going to happen August twentieth or August sixth, but it happens August eighth, where um, at least first time made public to us. Maybe they did it when we weren't there, but. Harold Perkins dropping down, uh, doing some pass rushing drills, uh, being coached by John Jancic, uh, and that's kind of what we heard about in the spring. We're finally getting to see that in the fall. So that's something for people who were maybe wondering, you know, is Harold Perkins going to play any Jack, any outside linebacker? I think the answer is still confidently yes. Which is any whether it's end or Jack linebacker, you got to get away, wait, find a way to get him on the field. And we've talked about the DN spot. 
being occupied. Savion Jones is in his money year. He looks great out there. Quincy Wiggins physically looks great in year two. Now you're tossing Womack in that group. That's three five stars. And you're a bit crowded. So how do you find ways to get a guy like Womack, who's certainly versatile enough uh, to play a couple positions? And that's it. I, uh, I also think Guillory has been someone who has stood out to me because he's got a lot of first-team run. And yeah. we know Matt House wants to be mobile with the defense. And Guillory is a true, true nose tackle. And we've seen them go with a lot of true nose tackle look so far in camp during the 11-on-11 and different defensive periods we've watched. So I do – even – we talked so much about Makai Wingo and Mason Smith and then these DNs we just mentioned. But I do think a guy like Jacobian Guillory is going to be someone who's going to be very important uh, to what Madhouse wants to do if they can be as multiple as he would like. Yeah, and over the past few practices, kind of bouncing back to what you said about Womack, he has – gone between the outside linebacker and defensive end spots. So we, when they got Deshaun Womack, it was like, all right, they're going to be set at Jack for the foreseeable future. Then he kind of comes in a little, I don't want to say heavy because he's it's strength, you know, muscle he, over the spring and whatnot, but uh, comes in weighing and looking the same as like a Quincy Wiggins, Savion Jones. They put him at defensive end. Now we're seeing him move a little bit back to Jack. Um, and as that outside, outside linebacker position, that's it's still I trust Ovia Gofu and Braden Swinson, but at the end of the day, Harold Perkins, Deshaun Womack, those are different caliber of players as pass rushers, and you find ways to get them in that spot. Um, even if they're not the you know down one, down two answers, you have to get them on the field. So that's kind of the defensive line. Uh, I think that's a good place to start because that's where we had a lot of questions. Another place where there were a lot of questions and still are questions is uh, in the secondary. I uh, still don't have answers. I don't, and nobody has answers. But Zai Alexander and Deuce Chestnut continue to get the first team reps at corner. Greg Brooks was not out. Uh, was well, he was out at practice, but only in a helmet, no pads. Did not go through um, eleven on eleven, seven on seven stuff today because uh, he left practice on Monday for with an undisclosed for an undisclosed reason. So right now you have Major Burns, Andre Sam at safety, Sage Ryan at nickel, Zay Alexander and Deuce Chestnut at corner. And then after that, it all just melts together with whoever you want to throw in there. We saw a lot of Ashton Stamps at corner. We saw the Terrence Welsh at corner. Denver Harris is still working his way up there. He's still with the third team, maybe sometimes gets the second team. J.K. Johnson is injured now uh, You know, with a, with a boot on. So... Um, that's kind of where all that, um, you know, sorts itself out. And then Javion, Javion Toviano, backup safety, Jordan Allen, backup safety. So, um, yeah, what, anything you want to say on the secondary? Yeah, I mean, I felt good about safety as long as Major Burns and Greg Brooks stay healthy. Um, and then they added Andre Sam. And from what we've watched from Andre Sam, he's very good. Uh, mm-hmm. And Brian Kelly has already said the addition of Andre Sam is going to give them the ability to do some three safety looks, which is something Matt House has wanted to do. So you cross your fingers that they stay healthy. Um, if not, you're having to rely on some guys who have not played a lot of safety. They're talented. They just haven't played much. I worry more about cornerback. And I have the same worries I did a year ago when they were playing this same game. It almost feels like a little bit of Russian roulette where by the simple reality of – the roster was so low at corner. I mean, they right now they returned one guy from last year, LaTerrence Welsh, and he was playing special teams as a true freshman. They had to go back-to-back classes, Matty B, with 
four transfer corners two years in a row. Not four total, eight total, four in each year. And yeah, it paid off last year when Makai Garner and Bernard Converse, those guys go out there and save your season basically because they carry the weight for you at DB and corner. I wonder, can they do that again? And when you look at it on paper, you felt good about Denver Harris, who was a midseason All-American on on three a year ago before he was suspended for the rest of the year by Jimbo Fisher at A&M, and he was a five-star coming out of high school. Then you get to camp, and yes, they're dangling the carrot in front of him and putting him on second team, putting him on third team, making him really earn it, which is the right approach, I think. Uh, you know, Prove that you can get everything in line and do it. But then again, you want to see him go out there and completely dominate. And there's been times where he has gotten beat uh, in different spots by different players at receiver or whatever it might be. And that happens. It's fall camp. You're not in the game. Um, I think that the talent's still there. I just want to see that light come on and him really buy in. And if that happens, he can move himself up. You mentioned J.K. Johnson. He's injured. Deuce Chestnut is a guy who physically you look at him and he doesn't look like a corner that LSU's used to. He's not long. Yeah. He's not some tall guy. He's got some, you know, a little bit of weight on him. But you saw at Syracuse, he was just making plays. So he's been out there first team. And I really think that I mentioned the three of the four guys they signed. The fourth, Zy Alexander, we were high on. But I thought he was the biggest question mark because he was going from FCS at Southeastern to playing in the SEC. That's a major jump, Matty B. And you don't know how he's going to look. And for me, across the first week of practice, I actually think he looks like their best corner. Um, again, it's just practice. It's only been a week. But I've got some real confidence that he looks like a pretty good player. But I'm going to go back to what Brian Kelly said at media days. They get to watch these guys every day. They watched every piece of film on them. They've had them all summer. They've had a number of them in the spring, minus Chestnut, who wasn't healthy in the spring. And even they don't know how these guys are going to do until you go up against Florida State, who is another team that you're not used to, you know, matching up with receivers every day. And it's a team that's got some of the best receivers in America and a quarterback who can throw to all of them. So that big test that will tell you if, these corners need some work or if they're ready right away is coming in week one. Yeah. Um, on the offense side of the ball, we don't have to go position by position here. Um, I, I will say the running back spot is still the most intriguing. Uh, Josh Williams. Um, I didn't see him at practice today. Um, I didn't check, um, you know, official officially, but uh, John Emery's worked his way back. Logan Diggs is starting to get more first team run, but they're still rotating eight guys in. Um, I don't remember who asked him, who asked Brian Kelly the question of, you know, at some point, are you going to cut this down and whatnot? But it feels like eight is still very much superfluous, um, unnecessary, uh, but they've given everybody the same amount of reps. I saw, Armani Goodwin and Noah Kane getting first team reps today. Like there's nothing I can see out there that really gives me like, okay, I can hold on to this at this moment. So um, I understand this is an evaluation period. We're probably not going to know anything about the running backs for probably still another week or so. Um, and I still hold on to the belief that it's going to be Logan Diggs and Josh Williams as the top two backs. And then Noah Kane and John Emery are going to be situational. Armani Goodwin also in that category. And then you, sprinkling the freshman he was he did talk about caleb jackson who again like i've said is the biggest back on their roster as a true freshman but he did say he's very raw you know he's gonna have to clean things up like ball carrying and whatnot 
Yeah, and he's probably one of the fastest, if not the fastest. Yeah. Brad Purdy Goodwin has some speed to him as well. Uh, yeah. But remember, Caleb Jackson has not played football in well over a year because he missed a senior year because of injury. So no surprise that it's going to take him a minute to kind of just get back into the flow of it. But that's fine because they have enough guys in front of him. I thought how you just laid it out is exactly what Brian Kelly said. Brian Kelly said, look, we might be using all these guys. Hot, there could be a hot hand. There could be a group. But more often than not, kind of cream that rises to the crop to the top is the guys who a have experience and B can be trusted. And those are probably that first group you mentioned that are older guys that have already played, whether it was at LSU or Notre Dame and Diggs's case, and you know what you're getting in them. So my guess early on would be exactly who you mentioned, the healthy dose of Williams, Kane, Logan Diggs, John Emery in there, and you see what Armani Goodwin can give you, and you sort of go from there, and we'll see if Trey Bradford can get in the mix. Yeah. Um, only other thing I have would be uh, the tight ends, which is interesting because Mason Taylor is going to be really good. We know that. But then all of our freshmen have <laughs> really showed out. I think they've been maybe the most surprising thing because I knew they were all talented, right? Like Kamoyan Pimpton, no doubt, talented. Jackson McGowan, you know, I was really high on him. Um, Mac Markway, we, we knew physically he could do it. But they've been probably the surprise for me offensively with how polished they are. Now, obviously, I don't think they're going to step in and be as good as Mason Taylor was last year. I don't think Pimpton or McGohan have rounded out their games in that way. Um, but as far as the upside goes for the next three years, I could not have been more impressed uh, from the first few times I've seen them in person as far as Pimpton. And, uh, McGowan was here over spring, but he was in and out. But still, Pimpton especially. My my questions for him out of high school was like, is he really just going to dunk on people uh, like he did in high school? And the answer is yes, he can very much still box people out, go get the ball, use his hands extremely well, and uh, just be an awesome receiver for them. So that's the other position that I want to mention before we uh, we cut to a break. Yeah, and I'll, I'll wrap up here before we start to shift to the mailbag with a couple of other spots on offense quickly. Quarterback, we knew what to expect. Jane Daniels and Nussmeyer are going to look good. They're going to look improved. They've both improved over the time they've been here working with Joe Sloan and uh, Mike Denbrock and this offensive staff, so none of that's surprising. I will say that just after watching them, and Jaden's not out there running, so you're at least just watching them throw, that the Jaden's got great touch. And from talking to some people, whether it was the Saturday practice we didn't watch, whether it was the practices we did watch, they're charting him at well over 70% passing. And we're seeing, again, and they said on Saturday, it was a lot of stuff going downfield with the football, which is what you want to see from Jaden. So you know he knows how to keep that completion percentage at a very good rate and exactly where it needs to be. And he hit some very high marks a year ago. But at times it was because he was also conservative and finding that healthy blend is what LSU has been after this offseason and here into fall camp and early reviews are that he's looked good there. And I stand by how I feel that LSU has currently the best one-two punch of quarterback readiness. Like if Daniels wasn't playing and Nussmeyer was in or whatever happened, you know, if Nussmeyer goes into a game, yeah, he would start at a lot, a lot of schools right now. And we saw him going deep with balls. We saw him hitting some nice on a kind of intermediate throws at practice the other day. And the ball just sort of fires out of his hand. And it makes me feel very good about the long-term future. It makes me feel good about this year that they have two guys that are ready. Um, and then the receivers, they obviously both Jaden and Garrett have worked with these 
first team receivers in Malik and Brian Thomas and Kyron Lacey for well over a year now. And they've played a season with them. So that rapport is clearly there. And you toss in who I think Aaron Anderson is just going to bring a really electric option to that run or to the passing game. And certainly he's in the mix uh, to be the punt returner, but on offense, he's a guy that once you get him into space, he can be pretty tough to bring down because he's very fast and he's not that big. So he's hard to get a hand on. And I think that is something unique that the other three guys aren't. They, that's just not their style of play. That's not their body type, however you want to phrase it. Uh, So I think that's a nice compliment piece to add to it. And then you've got exactly as we expected, a second team of returning guys or guys that are not true freshmen. Anderson's in that group, Ibietta, um, Chris Hilton. And then there is that wave of four incoming freshmen and we've seen all of them make some plays across the first week of camp um, with Samson and Kyprion and then the out-of-state guys and Jalen Brown, who's the speedster, Kyle Parker, who physically is probably the most ready right now, which we knew coming in. So I think they've got a, a good, healthy kind of blend of experience, youth, talent, speed, different body types, guys who play different roles that you're going to be good there. So overall, I I really like the offense. I like the defense, but the offense I have a lot fewer questions about. Yeah, definitely. No, uh, no question marks uh, about that. Um, All right. You got the. Yeah. Well, before we jump into the mailbag real quick, uh, all of on three, really a lot of us are uh, again, back on with my perfect franchise.net. For those that don't know Andy Ludicky, he was with us right before you and I joined on Billy Uh, had him as a sponsor. Now he's back and renewed with a lot of different on three sites, Uh, but he runs my perfect franchise. uh, And it's essentially what it sounds like uh, a consultant for, uh, and he's also a franchise owner, but a consultant for folks out there who are looking to get into the franchise business, or at least learn more about it to see if it's a fit. And we all caught up with Andy on a call and and kind of heard how his breakdown was. And he said, look, services are hundred percent free give them a call, get on the website, whatever. And he can walk you through kind of what they do, uh, whether that is saying, hey, I want a little side business. Hey, here's how much time I have or how much money I'm willing to invest. Whatever it might be, he's got the answers. It costs you nothing to get a consultation and just catch up with him, see what it's all about. So uh, check him out. Uh, MyPerfectFranchise.net is the website. You can call him at 404-973-9901. Uh, or email them at Andy, A-N-D-Y, at myperfectfranchise.net. So you'll be hearing us talk about him every now and then uh, as we get into football season. A lot of, as I said, on three sites uh, are running with Andy right now as one of our sponsors. So uh, reach out to him if you are interested in, or at least finding out more uh, about franchising and how you can get involved and uh, what all comes with uh, being part of one. So Shout out to him for jumping on board. And uh, again, we have his stuff posted on our board. Uh, He's been around the Bengal Tiger before. He'll answer any questions you've got. So um, again, thanks to him for being a a sponsor here and supporting the Bengal Tiger and LSU and any LSU fans who are interested in finding out more about uh, being a franchise owner or just getting into franchising, uh, give Andy a call or uh, check out myperfectfranchise.net. Yeah, let's do the mailbag. Let's do it. Um, I took about 12, 13, 14 questions. I don't remember how, how many it was. Um, but first up, Charlotte Tiger asked, uh, how does special teams look compared to last season? Any issues with blocking, understanding the rules, et cetera? Um, and then, yeah, it goes on to say, 
lost in a lot of offseason talk has been the improvement of special teams. So cu- curious uh, what our new coach is doing to let, get these guys ready. Um, obviously, we have to preface all this by saying um, Jimmy Lindsay uh, being out moved John Jancic to defensive line. That moved Bob Diaco to special teams and uh, Jack. Um, also, uh, Brian Kelly was asked about Coach Lindsay at the press conference and uh, did say that he is was preparing to move uh, to leave the hospital. So uh, he didn't give full details on it, obviously, uh, but he did sound uh, encouraged that he will be able to leave the hospital uh, soon enough. So yeah, that, that's news the there. we'll start with. Uh, but special teams wise, Bob Diaco leads a charge uh, as an analyst, uh, full of energy. You know, usually those guys do have a lot of energy, but Bob Diaco certainly uh, you can hear him pretty easily. Uh, I, the only thing we've seen, uh, we've seen some punt stuff go full speed, which was hit or miss at times with snaps, um, blocking and whatnot. But, uh, I think the main thing we have a handle on right now, as far as special teams goes, is the return game where we've seen punt returner and kick returner. Um, Jay Bramley will be the punter. Um, I, D- Damian Ramos has been the starting kicker right now. As far as everything outside of that, I think we'll have to see more as they get into more 11 on 11 type stuff with special teams. Right now, it's very much teaching the blocking, teaching the scheme, teaching the alignment, and all that stuff. This might be another one. I agree. And this might be another one for me. Go through Florida State without any miscues, and then I'll believe that everything got cleaned up. Uh, that will be my judgment call because a year ago in Florida State, they muffed a couple of punts and they didn't block correctly on an extra point that could have sent it into overtime. And those were issues that then plagued them for the rest of the season. So I want to, I'm, I'm waiting to see here. I'm not even going to comment. I just want to see what happens in week one. And Brian Kelly did talk about Aaron Anderson. Uh, today as a punt returner and he sounded very very encouraged uh, which I, I think watching practices it's very clear I mean you don't forget how to do how to return punts two years after being the best punt returner in Louisiana and one of the best in the country um, out of high school so yeah Aaron Anderson is probably in the lead for that job should be comfortable in that job uh, Greg Clayton Never, I've never seen him drop a ball. So shout out to Gregory Clayton because if nothing else, they can throw him back there and he'll catch the ball. So. Yeah, he saved him a year ago because he would at least get back there and catch it every single time. Exactly. Um, Texas Tiger one five four asked uh, our views on the linebackers and then the Jack linebackers who are your stand up edge rushers, uh, and he said specifically Harold Perkins and Omar Spates. Omar Spates obviously is a guy they took from Oregon State as a veteran, uh, All Pac twelve performer, really solid. You know experienced option uh he said how do they look providing pressure filling gaps and how are we looking at getting pressure off the edge we do get to see all of practice they haven't done a ton of 11 on 11 work yet to the point where you're like oh i can get a very good feel for how these guys look in those situations but i think we've got enough knowledge from what they were a year ago at their different spots and what they we saw and heard from them in the spring and now into fall camp to at least shed a little bit of insight here I don't know if you want to start, um, but you can take at least the first part of this question if you want to. Perkins and Spates, your thoughts on just yeah. the two middle linebackers because Perkins is focused on being a linebacker right now, not just a kind of edge rusher utility tool. Yeah, and to kind of go off of your point of we've seen 11 on 11, but these 11 on 11s are not them trying things. It's not them experimenting with Harold Perkins or anything. Any pass rush, it's very much – bring four, 
secondary is working on zone coverage. Secondary is working on different, you know, coverages, man zone, all that stuff. Um, but with Omar Spates, I've been impressed with him. He's lived up to everything I expected him to be as a, you know, 50-year player coming off an all-Pac-12 first-team season. Uh, I think he's really, really versatile. I think he's really smart. I think he's really strong. Um, gets off blocks well, really quick in the gap. I, I have high expectations for Omar Spates. Harold Perkins, I think he is getting more comfortable as far as the basic responsibilities that inside linebackers have to have. Uh, when that, and I mean, like, you know, dropping in coverage, he worked there uh, seven on seven today. But at the end of the day, we're going to have to see it against Florida State. Like, kind of what you said about special teams, it's kind of like Harold Perkins is going to have to show us against Florida State that he is ready to be a three down linebacker because that's, that's what he's worked on all offseason. And as much as we see it in 11 on 11, it's like, all right, this is a very much a controlled environment. I need to see it when the bullets are flying. I need to see when Florida State is marching down the field and they need to stop and it's second and eight and you got to force a third and long. Like, that's what I need to see from Harold Perkins. So um, I'll also say Greg Penn has been, I mean, he's been rotated in a ton. Like, he is getting almost as many snaps as Perkins and Spates right now. And then the, the pass rushing aspect of it, like I said, I expect Harold Perkins to be aggressive from different positions throughout the year. Um, I guess we're not talking about defensive ends and Jack linebackers and stuff like that, but you know, Harold Perkins and Deshaun Womack will have a big uh, impact in the pass rush this year. Yeah. And when he talks about edge rushers, whether that's a D end or whether that's like a Jack linebacker, we've heard even dating back to the spring that the battles between Savion Jones and a guy like Will Campbell have been yeah. serious. And whenever Will Campbell's having to block an edge rusher, um, you know, he's, he said, look, there's talent on this roster that can do it. And they went to the portal to get two guys who were experienced in Braden Swinson out of Oregon. And then Ovia Gofu had played for Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. Then he transferred to Texas, played last year for Texas. Now he's joined back up with Brian Kelly at LSU. And he's been the first team guy throughout all of spring into camp. So it won't surprise us if he is your first team guy. And Matty B, you were kind of high on him, like as you dug more and more into him and then watched him at LSU and you're like, look, this guy's better than I expected him to be, which it almost felt like they were just trying to take a couple of transfers as like a stopgap or a bridge to get to Deshaun Womack or a bridge to yep. get to Jackson Howard or whoever that next edge rusher is that's young or maybe not on campus yet. And, you know, if you get a Colin Simmons, does he come in right away and compete there? And you almost felt like, okay, they took a guy who's got one year left and a go-fu and He's really just going to help you out through this season. I, I now have higher expectations for him than that. I think he's going to be an important piece if they want to be as good as they can be on defense. I agree 100%. Um, Nola fan 33. Okay, this is one we've talked about a lot. Um, with the way they cross-train on the O-line, do you think Emory Jones would benefit from getting some reps in the interior, being it seems he's more likely than not going to be inside at some point, not at offensive tackle? And then he asked about Mason Smith and uh, defensive lineman referenced that a year ago, Mason was busting up every play now that he's been out of football for a year because he was injured. Um, are we seeing kind of that same impact from him? And I'll start with Emory Jones and I'll let you chime in here. Then we'll go to Mason. Emory is a more natural guard in my opinion, but he's talented enough to play tackle. And he proved that when he went out as a true freshman and started at right tackle. And once he got in, they never took him off the field. Correct me if I'm wrong. I do not believe we have seen yet at practice Emory working inside, but mm -hmm. I think 
What we have seen is Zalance Hurd, who works at Right Tackle right behind him, who this conversation is really more about Hurd than it is about Emory Jones, your true freshman five-star offensive tackle who's teammates with Will Campbell in high school. They played together. Can he earn a starting job like Will Campbell did, like Emory Jones did as a true freshman? I think, Matty B, we need to get about a month into the season, then we'll know, because Brad Davis does rotate these guys. We even saw it in the Florida State game a year ago. He was rotating guys. And if I think as camp goes on, we'll see. And what I was going to say, Zalance Heard working at right tackle, he's working with second and third team. So it's very clear they're trying to give him as many reps as mm -hmm. possible to catch him up to speed. If he's ready, I would imagine that, yes, you would start to see Emory start to work and cross-train as, hey, I can be a guard, I can be a tackle. But here's the other thing. They have two really good guards who they trust in Dellinger and Miles Frazier. So these are very good problems to have. I don't know what your takes on it, but I still am in that camp that there's not a way they get through this season and Zalance Hurd doesn't get out on the field at some point. No, oh, for sure. And especially with the reality that offensive linemen do get nicked up fairly easily in college football. I mean, in NFL, in football in general, right? So even if, you know, Frazier or Dellinger have to miss a game, you slide Emory Jones into guard, you move Zalance Hurd in that tackle. Like that's a, an obvious possibility for this offensive line. Even if we acknowledge the fact that if Zalance Hurd is too good to leave off the field, Frazier or Dellinger very easily could be subbed off and you you put Emory Jones at a guard spot um I'm I'm very high on Frazier and Dellinger but I'm not as high on them as I am you know Emory Jones or Zalance Hurd so that's gonna be an interesting development to see in the coming weeks because I, I don't think we were ever gonna see week one Emory Jones going back and forth between guard tackle guard tackle um they were gonna keep that starting five there for the first week no matter what I think we'll start to see that next week. Um, if Zalen's herd is too good to keep off the field, like Will Campbell was last year, then we'll start to see the, the movement start happening. And he asked about Mason Smith. I'll keep this one simple because, again, we're only a week into camp. Half of it was not even in pads. So, I mean, yeah. Mason's not out there going full speed, blowing guys up every play yet. Give it a few weeks. Let's see what we hear. I do know, though, that hearing how he did in summer conditioning – hearing kind of how he approached his rehab, being ahead of schedule, all those things, they think he's 100% returned and ready to roll. And if that's the case, and I see Mason Smith, he has no bad body weight on him. He is a massive dude. He loves the game. I expect him to be the exact same player he was a year ago. Today at practice, I watched Mason Smith eat Miles Frazier's lunch, basically, uh, in a one-on-one. -on -one. And uh, it's, that wasn't a dig at Miles Frazier. Uh, that's just how good Mason Smith is because I don't think anybody in the country can really block him. I think that's how good he is. I'm excited about him. I think what I had him at number two on my most important or you did ranking. So you did. I got I'm scared. I got scared in, over the summer because I was still I was still a little trepidatious uh, with his with his knee, but he's he's fine. He's great. Yeah. Which is great news. You just wanted him back healthy for fall camp, and he's out there. Yeah. He hasn't missed any time yet. Uh, Hunter Fournette, how's our boy uh, Deuce? He says, oh, Chester, not Chestnut. Uh, DJ Chester and Whit Weeks looking so far. So a couple true freshmen. Uh, I'll take one. You take the other. Who you want? Um, DJ Chester has looked good. I think uh, third. he's the third center, in, in my opinion. Obviously, they can move other players to center if they need to. Uh, Brian Kelly mentioned that. 
So I'm not sure if he'll actually be like the third center if everything goes wrong and Charles Turner gets hurt and um, um, Marlon Martinez get hurt. But uh, DJ Chester looks every bit as big as we thought he was. I think he is going to compete next year for a starting center spot. And uh, I feel really good about him. He's also a guy who's a really good guard. So they yes, will cross-train him. Um, so... Again, right now they have a lot of guard depth, especially bringing in Mason Lunsford from Maryland, who was a starter there at guard. So cross-training is great, as you said, center so far, but he looks the part. If he plays this year, physically he's ready. Um, but this is maybe a guy who maybe next year really emerges and battles for a, a starting spot. Yeah. Um, with Weeks, and we've already seen what West Weeks can do. Witt came in higher ranked. He had a pick six in the spring game. He had awesome film. Uh, as a senior at Oconee County. And I watched the linebackers for a while do in just individual drills because I wanted to see how Matt House was working them and what the speed was. And he was not like hand placement wise, what Matt House is asking for. They were doing like punch out drills from behind on getting the ball loose. He never missed a beat. There was not one moment I saw where Matt House was like, no, you actually do it this way. And that stuff you're doing with guys who have already been on campus for a couple of years for weeks to already understand that uh, kind of speaks to his knowledge of the game. He's a hell of an athlete. I ha I am very high on weeks. I just don't know if you do keep Perkins at linebacker and spades, and then you've got Penn and they're all healthy. How much does he play this year? He'd probably be in a backup role, maybe even behind his brother West, who is going to be kind of that second team linebacker for him. But I think when it's all said and done, we look back on it and Weeks will be one of the five or six best players they signed in that class. Yeah, for sure. I'm very excited about Whit Weeks. Um, Damian Targaryen asked, uh, will Lunsford from Maryland get a look at center, find it hard to believe he transferred to be second string? So no promises are made in recruiting like that. It's, hey, you come in and you compete. And if you're good enough, you'll play. And as you noted, O-line, you get injured more than anybody else. So there's a chance to get in every week, let alone just rotating in. Correct me if I'm wrong. So far, I've only seen him at left guard. Yeah, I've only seen him at guard, uh, which is surprising. I did mention over the summer, I thought he would get some looks at center. Um, I don't know. Maybe Again, maybe he does. Maybe he can get some looks at center. We have not seen him get any center reps, to my knowledge, to my what I've seen so far. Um, it, again, it would surprise me if, if he didn't get any the entire fall. But... Uh, if nothing else, he's a good backup guard uh, that, you know, could fill in for Miles Frazier or um, Garrett Dellinger at this point. I am uh, with you there. Um, and it'll be interesting to see again. I just think Brad Davis has already proven in his time here multiple years that he will play a lot of guys until he figures out who the best five are. Um, and for that reason, a chance like uh, there's a chance for a guy like Lunsford to get some uh, playing time early in the season. Cicerone asked, um, did I lose it? No, there it is. Anything on Jeremiah Hughes? So this was the only true corner they signed, and he notes he's one of the only incoming DBs that he hasn't heard much on. I have nothing to really offer up there. I knew over the summer they were trying to really work on getting him back into a shape that they liked. I think he had put on a little bit more weight than they wanted him to, so they were trimming him back down to try to keep that speed. But did he get for, hit? Did he get hurt his junior or senior year of high school? Both. I think he was battling injury in both, but he okay. in, he was for sure injured as a senior. And then That's he was kind I of thought. in and out of Bishop Gorman's yeah. uh, lineup as they kind of tried to get him healthy for postseason and all that. 
I just don't think he's going to factor in this year. And that's not a knock on whatever he does down the line. And I know I'm saying that while also saying I'm unsure about the corners, but I've just seen, I mean, we've seen them go three deep at corner now and he's not been in that mix. So it would be yeah. a little surprising to see him do anything beyond a, a heavy special teams role. Maybe. Yeah. Which, which is perfectly fine for a freshman. Um, like even though Ashton stamps is getting second team run consistently, I don't, I'm not looking at Ashton Stamps and be like, all right, that guy's going to play a ton for LSU this year. I still think Ashton Stamps is going to develop the same way Jeremiah Hughes does. And we'll see, we'll revisit this conversation next year when we, again, the cornerback room hopefully has a little bit more continuity with Welch, Hughes, Stamps. And then if they return, you know, Harris and whatnot, uh, we'll have this conversation next year of uh, can Jeremiah Hughes beat out Ashton Stamps? You know, can he compete with LaTerrence Welch and so on and so forth? So, uh, but that's what you want. That's what you want to start building no up some, some depth at the cornerback position. And uh, and when you build depth, that a lot of times the young guys won't won't play. Uh, we're more than 40 minutes in here. So guys, I know we're keeping you all a while. So we'll try to move quickly here. Sorry, right. They're not doing anything. Bag. They're not doing um, anything. It's fall camp. Well, well, they don't want to be here all day. Uh, Covert Maple asks, who's the most impressive tr- true freshman through five days? Pick one on offense and one on defense. Okay. Uh, go ahead. You can you can take <laughs> you can take Pimpton. I mean, uh, yeah, I love Kamari and Pimpton. I don't know if I'd say he made a couple of great catches, all that, but I, I can't then say exactly what that means for how far along he is. Zaylon's hurt is just such a big yeah. kid. He's the and best. You look at him, and I saw him win some reps where he was throwing some older guys into the ground, and that's kind of got the defense a little heated and i just i he's a five-star i love what he brings to the table Um, that was on the same day when everybody was fighting so yeah it was good that's right defensively i'll go toviano on defense and i'm doing it because we haven't seen womack really yet i mean we've seen him in four or five days but he was recovering from shoulder surgery in the spring and then in the summer they're just doing conditioning with the staff we saw toviano in the spring we've seen him now he is the first freshman that goes out there to do anything on defense when it comes to that defensive backfield rotation. So I'll roll with Toviano, which is no big surprise. A very yeah. good football player coming out of Texas. Yeah. I got two names uh, that I like. Uh, first, and the first one surprised me, at least over fall camp, Sheldon Sampson's getting a ton of run with the second team. As soon as somebody leaves, you know, Brian Thomas didn't practice on a Monday. And then on Tuesday – Players were in and out, um, and Sheldon Sampson stepped into the second team basically automatically, like across uh, from Landon Ibiet or Chris Hilton. Like it's Sheldon Sampson's right there, um, and he's made some plays. Uh, I still think he's very much needs a developmental year. Um, I'm not saying he's gonna he's ready to break out this year or anything like that, but there's a reason this guy was, you know, a high four-star type receiver that they needed, that they got out of Louis, out of Baton Rouge. And for him to be already stepping up and making plays on the second team in, in, in certain situations is really promising to me. So um, shout out to Shelton Sampson defensively. I will say Ashton stamps because yeah, it's kind of similar to Shelton Sampson. I wasn't expecting him to be, um in the mix for second team so early and he has gotten a lot of reps and i i remember a few plays on monday that really stood out to me i was like okay this is what we saw in camp remember back the summer of 2022 where he got the offer and it's like all right 
now Ashton Stamps has turned into a player that um, is actually going to help LSU for years to come because he is showing out basically every practice. So, yeah, good for uh, those two. All right, we'll keep rocking here. Um, let's see. I'd scroll down to the bottom to see how many more we have left. Uh, Go Tigers 21 asked, do you think Womack has a chance, chance to jump Braden Swenson on the Jack depth chart by the end of fall camp? So, do you think, and that would also mean jumping past Jackson Howard, who's third yes. team right now. Yes, I do think he can. I do that. too. I think that if that's what they, if they want him to be a Jack, he would jump those guys before the end of fall camp. Yes. Um, Trey Beamer, any new changes to offense? I know defense has been talked about utilizing more three safety looks, for instance. Any new wrinkles on offense? Personally, would be interested to see if they utilize three tight ends with Pimpton, Taylor, and Markway. The play action could be deadly there. I'll let you chime in here. I've got three quick things that I think yeah. of when I think of offensive changes. One, I don't go ahead. Well, there's continuity. Denbrock's got a playbook in place now, and you want them to be able to lean on what they know how to do. So you're going to see now just wrinkles happen, as he said. One, you now go from one tight end to Mason Taylor to four or five with Connor Gilbreth. And this is whether it's Denbrock or Kelly, they want to be using multiple tight ends. So that will change. It's finding an explosive passing game, meaning Jane Daniels. There's got to be more stuff that you pull out of the playbook now that's the vertical game, that's getting guys into space, whatever it might be, to find that explosive passing game, which they lacked a year ago. And three is you have to find a way to use Aaron Anderson. So those are three things I kind of think are, if you want to talk about wrinkles or doing things differently, those would be three, I'd say. More tight ends, an explosive passing game with Jaden throwing it deep more and utilizing this new tool and piece in Aaron Anderson. I think you laid that out very, very well. And um, I don't know how to follow that, except for I don't think that they're gonna we're going to be seeing 13 personnel packages. I really just don't think we're going to see Pimpton, Taylor, and Markway on the field at the same time. Gilbreth, we might see on the field <laughs> um, in that spot. We started to see Gilbreth a little bit this this week, so um, shout out to, to him. But, um, yeah, it's I think you laid that out pretty well. Early on in camp, a lot of it is just going through, you know – <laughs> Early on in camp, we're what five practices in right now. They're not installing, you know, these new concepts that nobody's ever seen before. They're not doing something more than what they've done before. I think this is very much rinse and repeat, get the fundamentals down. If you ask us this question on August 20th, you know, I think maybe that we'll know something more. But our last uh, viewing is August 19th. So, um, yeah, maybe we'll have something for you at that point. More than what Shade did. Okay, uh, the next one with uh, Kyler M. With FSU being our week one game and one of the biggest of the year, any idea how their fall camp's going? You didn't say this had to specifically be LSU's fall camp, to be fair. Gosh, we got to put in some uh, more rules there to the initiative. Yeah. Trying to all right, all right. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll put Did in some answer, We can get the FSU guys to come talk, you know, do a Q&A on the side about what they think fall camp's going like. I have not heard anything from FSU. No, I did schedule i don't know when i'm having fsu guy on but we're we're working to get fsu guy on but i don't think it'll be this week or next week so um at some point we'll get them on before the game but yeah i don't know how their their camp's going except for uh jackson their defensive tackle did not get his waiver cleared which is actually a pretty big deal amongst florida state fans because he was supposed to be in contention for uh starting for them so that is a shot to their defensive uh defensive line depth there but other than that i don't know anything no they're going to be very right. good where are we at now um a few more here um 
Townsend 11, does uh, Connor Gilbreth from Juco practice with O-line or how does he, what group does he practice with O-line or uh, tight end? It's been tight end. Um, yeah. He has, he's essentially a six offensive lineman, but as a tight end, uh, how's he holding up against the big boys? You noticed him out there. I don't know if it's, it's too early to tell that kind of stuff, but if you want to chime in, go for it. I will say his film shows that he'll be fine. He just, all he wants to do is block and just run dudes over. Yeah. Uh, he'll be fine. I haven't seen him. He didn't go through like any one-on-ones type stuff. Um, he was working with tight ends. I didn't see him a ton today. I saw him Monday, but I didn't see him much today. So yeah, I don't really have anything new to provide other than what we wrote, which he was out there running around, sprinkled in the first team a little bit, first team, second team type stuff, which all the tight ends moving around. I mean, there's so much to comprehend at practice all the time. It's just running a million things. But anyways, yeah, he looked fine on Monday. All right. Um, let's see. LGZ is Ryan Robinson, who was a preferred walk-on, on his way to earning a scholarship. Dude played well in the spring at nickel. We've seen him at the nickel a little bit with uh, across his first week. Yeah, today he was. Second and third team reps. I don't know if it's this year, but I think eventually a guy like Ryan Robinson, because of what he does on special teams and sticking around as a DB, doesn't want to go anywhere else that I know of, that eventually he'll earn a scholarship, so I would say. Yes, you're probably on your way to that. Um, Tiger Cyclone asked about JD5. We kind of already talked about Daniels. Um, I do think there's some improvement on him pushing the ball downfield. You just, again, we can watch them in 11 on 11, but you just don't know until it's live. So, I mean, I can sit here and hype you up and say he looks better. Let's see how he looks against Florida State. And after a month of fall camp, then I'll have a better feel. But we're one weekend. I, I don't want to make any promises on that. Uh, I did think he looked better in the spring game. So there's that. And I thought he looked better against Purdue doing it. So two examples of games that at least the public's gotten to watch. Uh, two more here. Go 23. How set is the top three at receiver? We've heard about how good of a spring Lacey's have, but could Aaron Anderson be good enough to break into the top three? I'll say this about this. Aaron Anderson is good enough to be in the top three. Kyron Lacey looks the best he ever has. So I'm not sure if I even tie them together. I just think both will play. If you have to say who are the first three that are out there, I'm going to pick the guys that we've been riding with Malik neighbors, Brian Thomas and Kyron Lacey. That does not mean Anderson will not play a ton all game. Yeah. I think you laid it out. Well, Aaron Anderson's definitely good enough to break into the top three and Aaron Anderson could very well finish the year. Top three in catches, top three in yards. That wouldn't surprise me at all, but uh, I'm still sticking with those three that, that you said as being uh, the three players that LSU will trot out there to start the season. All right. Uh, last one. I've always got a handful here. Uh, LSU uh, asked, one, on a scale of one to ten, how impressive have the freshmen been in practice? Eight. Very impressive. I'd say the same. Seven or eight. Uh, which returning players may transform their the most since last season? I think Savion Jones and Quincy, Quincy Wiggins both look great. They do. Not that they didn't a year ago, but now they really look like DNs at that 275, 280 range. They look really impressive. Yeah, I don't know. Everything's always um Oh, you know what? Jaden and Nuss. I was gonna say Jaden. Jaden was the one I was gonna say because I'll never forget last year. I'd be like, damn, Jaden's really skinny. <laughs> and now this year, I don't really say that very often at all. 
and Nuss has put on a good amount of weight muscle yeah. to where both them, I saw, I was at the Manning Academy, both them without pads on look completely different than they did a year yeah. ago, which I think is a good thing. That was a goal. Yeah. Um, Char- Go ahead. No, Daniels is my pick for that. Okay, cool. Uh, which with Charles Turner, who's the center injury last year, how much has that set him back in conditioning? I don't know the answer there. And I did condition with the team over the summer. So he's probably good on that front. I will say he missed all of spring and he debuted as the starter again, first team center in fall camp. So clearly hasn't hurt him that much. I really thought there was a chance Martinez came out as the first team center after having that job all of spring. Well, it's, and uh, apparently, I mean, Brian Kelly comes out and says it's actually Marlon Martinez who the conditioning aspect we have to worry about, which not a conditioning as far as being out of shape, but they're trying to make sure to manage his weight to make sure he's in the right spot for them at center. Uh, Marlon Martinez so that's you know maybe it's not even Charles Turner we need to be worried about there it's Marlon Martinez aspect uh, side of things uh look time after time you know Charles Turner I've come on here and said they keep adding players to compete with him because they're not happy at the center position I think that was obvious over the offseason over over the season but he greatly improved last year he is really smart and he continues to work his butt off. And so credit to Charles Turner because right now through five practices, I don't see a situation where he loses the job um, unless if, you know, something – it would surprise me if he loses the job. There, That's how I should say it. Well, yeah, his final question was, why does it always feel like Brian Kelly's looking for a new center? And I think yeah, he didn't have a competition. Yeah. Yeah, Good problem I didn't, to have. I didn't, I'm, yeah. Charles Turner played way better than people thought he was going to play last year, but it still wasn't up to where they want it to be. So, yes, you put competition there. You let other people get reps. You cross-train people at center. And if you put Marlon Martinez and Chester and Lunsford, anyone there, and Charles Turner still looks the best, well, then kudos to Charles Turner. He's the best option. I have no doubt that whoever starts at center is the best option. Yeah. I feel comfortable with um, Turner at center. Like, even if he's not the – best you know nfl center that lsu is ever going to have i feel confident with him back there because he is smart he sets things up Jaden daniels has talked about it before a lot of people have talked about before how important he is to this offense so credit to charles turner all right that's it we did it, we did it. all right we did it under an hour good pod under an hour uh mailbag done thank you thank you to everybody who sent in questions um we'll be back with another pod over the weekend i'm thinking saturday or so saturday or sunday um to kind of recap week two of fall camp uh stay tuned to the Bengal tiger we will have daily updates throughout the week um with different stuff going on as far as recruiting obviously thursday's a big day so stay tuned to the site for that but we'll have practice notes we'll have all this different stuff going on so yeah uh subscribe to the channel if you haven't already Uh, Leave us a like, comment, share, subscribe on the YouTube. And uh, yeah, we'll be back. Talk to y'all later. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.